This is the Matt Townsend Show. What creates higher trust for you and the people around you? Your guide on the side. And a lot of us end up spending our entire life searching for what we expect instead of what has actually been given to us. Dr. Matt Townsend. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. It is Cyber Monday. Man, it, it seems like once Thanksgiving hits, the holidays just keep, you know, rolling out one right after the other. But I am happy that you are sharing these with us here on the Matt Townsend Show. Today is a holiday, but it's not really celebrating anything. It's just one of those things that was created by this consumerism culture. And if you don't know what Cyber Monday is, it's kind of like Black Friday where all of these stores have different sales on their products, but it's all online for all those online shopping fanatics. I'm personally more of an in-store shopper. I I like being able to try on things, and I really need my selections limited. I always have to have my husband choose the stuff off of Amazon and stuff, or else I will look through all 86 pages of bed sheets on Amazon until I find the perfect one and I have to compare all of them. So it just takes too long for me. But there are a lot of you out there who love online shopping and today is your special day. But before you go haywire filling your virtual shopping carts, I want you to keep a few things in mind. I think today is a very fitting day to talk about cybersecurity because you are going to be whipping out those credit cards a lot throughout today and probably a lot over the next month or so. And we can get so wrapped up in the fun of shopping that we forget there's actually a lot of danger that is out there lurking on the interweb. So we're going to start out with an interview with Jim LaMadrid, where he enlightens us on a few typical holiday cybercrimes we might run into. Talk to me about Christmas. It seems like uh, it's not only the time to celebrate, to buy a lot of gifts and, you know, have fun shopping. But it also is the time that a lot of the, the unsavory criminals are coming out to take us for granted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that we deal with throughout the year when it comes to online scams, right? Internet fraud, those type of things. But especially during the holiday season where folks are lo- looking for the last-minute gift, you know, the last-minute online deal, uh, you know, with Black Friday after the holidays, everyone goes now online, right? We are very dependent on our smartphones. We can just download an app and do one click to purchase an item, you know, to get it home for you for before the holidays. So mm. that's one of the things we look at here, and what I'd like to share with you today, Matt, is about the online shopping scams yeah. on there. You know, if, if it looks too good to be true online, if you get an email coming from a potential e-commerce or retailer, it looks too good to be true for the price. It probably is too good to be true, and sometimes those requests or deals are kind of hidden with somebody, these cyber actors we call them, or these subjects, these criminal syndicates, trying to steal your personal identifiable information, which can range from your username and password to your email address, you know, to maybe logging on to your bank account, right? Because a lot mm. of folks, you know, try to um, keep some information, sensitive information on their online accounts versus trying to keep that secure. So it's one thing you got to be aware of, uh, keeping your personal information, any type of sensitive information off the web, but bad guys can't have access to that. Yeah. Is that, it seems like that would be one of the telltale signs is if I go looking for it, um, if I, cause if I go looking for the target website, I probably am more likely, am I not to find it than if it comes looking for me. Right. So a lot of these marketers out there now, they have this smart software, right? Where if you're looking for a new jacket, Matt, and you just notice on your website, on your browser that you're getting all these ads for a jacket. Right. 
right? So, so there's legitimate, you know, marketing software out there and marketing teams that develop software to try and really target the consumer to make sure that they put the products that you're looking for in front of you, which is actually convenient for us. Right. It's the thing that we do like because it helps us kind of narrow our search, but also the bad guys utilize that as well. And what they can do is also inject, you know, some malicious ads on a website. You might click on an ad that you think is going to a legitimate website, but actually, unfortunately, may download some malware or some viruses on your computer, giving these bad guys access to your computer. So it's kind of like a, kind of a minefield in a way. You know, you got to make yeah. sure where you step, you know, certain safe areas that you're familiar with. You know, retailers, uh, I like to recommend, and other cybersecurity experts like to recommend, you're going to type into the browser yourself the actual website. Yeah. You know, something that you know, as opposed to maybe receiving that in an email and clicking on that email link, because clicking on that email link in the content of an email may, again, download some malware on your computer. Mm. So. Well, and this is really important because we, we heard about the whole Hillary Clinton scandal, but John Podesta, her um, campaign chair, he also, he had he was hacked, but his hack came from receiving an email telling him he had to change his passwords, I believe. And then he went and changed his passwords, which is one of these tricks you're talking about, and gave gave new passwords, gave all of his information up, and then they could access it. Right, and that's, that's one thing they talk about where you don't want to use the same password for all your accounts because once they have your password to your, say, Yahoo account, right, then they have the keys to the kingdom because you might utilize that for your Gmail account, maybe for your online banking account. So that's why it's, it's kind of wise to utilize that. Um, another thing that they have out there they recommend for good cyber hygiene is to utilize two-factor authentication, mm. where essentially you've probably seen this map yeah. where you know, Yahoo or Gmail will ask you to, are you sure this is you logging in? We're going to send you a text message to your, to your phone. Typically, two-factor authentication is something that you have and something that you know, right? So something that you have would be your phone, something that you know would be your password. So that would be a two-factor authentication type usage to thwart those type of attacks mm. to obtain your information like that. Um, that's a, that's a lot. And, and again, this is uh... – you're, it's funny, but there is a certain responsibility for us to be able to be online. It's so convenient. It's so easy. But you also have to be not smart enough, but diligent enough to change your passwords and to not just use one password. I mean, that's that's just – you call it hygiene. That's just a hygiene factor. Exactly. And there's that uh, fine line between security and convenience that we always talk about. Um, you know, the more secure you are, the more steps you're going to have to take to protect yourself. Right, we kind of uh, like to, when I do presentations in in the air. We talk about it's kind of like having a car alarm. If your car alarm's on, your doors are locked, and you've got a car thief walking around the parking lot to see which car he's going to take. Which one are they going to go after? Yeah, they're not going gonna... because it's got the you know the uh, the brand of the car alarm on the window, or the one that's sitting up there with the you know the keys in the ignition and running, and the doors open. <laughs> right, so, so true. It is so true. What are some of the other holiday scams we need to be paying attention to? Uh, one thing as well is uh, work-from-home scams. Again, this happens year-round, Matt, but, again, around this time of year when people are short for money to buy the, the greatest Christmas gift for their loved one, uh, people try to find ways to make extra ends, right? So people, uh, like myself, you know, you post your resumes online on various websites, uh, or image people uh, be sending these cold emails, sending out, say, hey, looks like, Matt, you'd be a great account executive, you've got a good reputation, you've got a good background. All you have to do is send us your resume, Mm. Um, you do a little job interview, and then we'll send you, say, every every month we'll send you some money. All you have to do is keep 10% of the, the proceeds and wire the rest overseas, right? That sounds like a, it's a pretty easy gig. It's, you yeah. don't have to leave. You don't have to go, you know, drive, commute to an office. You could do it as part-time, receiving funds and pushing it overseas. Uh, we like to say it's not, it shouldn't pass the sniff test initially. 
if you're looking at something like that, again, it looks too good to be true. Uh, who are these people? Uh, these cyber actors are very sophisticated. They actually create legitimate websites online where you as a new employee can log into a portal, have your email accounts, you know, have access to human resources, but it's all, it's all a fraud. Uh, but all they want really for you to do is help money, launder the money that's been stolen illegally, like credit card fraud, uh, people taking over bank accounts. Mm. Essentially, you have these people here, and this happens in Salt Lake City, um, Utah, all over the nation, where they're unwitting, we call them money mules, where they basically are pushing money around, uh, thinking it's legitimate business, but in all reality, they're actually laundering stolen funds. Wow. So that's one thing to be, yeah, to really think about uh, is work from home scams that people fall victim to a lot. Well, and, and so now all of a yeah, sudden, sure. you're a money mill for organized crime in Russia. I mean, it's, you, it's crazy what you could all of a sudden get sucked into. And, yeah, I mean, that's just terrifying. It is. And, and another scam that we do see as well, you know, these work-from-home scams, but also romance scams. Yeah, okay, talk uh, about these. These are scary. Yeah, so we actually had a, a case here in Salt Lake City where there was a older gentleman located here in Salt Lake City that was, you know, lonely, um, looking for, you know, um, a relationship online and was talking to an individual who claimed to be uh, a female U.S. soldier stationed in the Middle East, right? So this communication went back and forth for a couple months. Um, you know, he's lonely. She's saying that she's lonely overseas. And all of a sudden, um, she asked him to do a favor. And the favor was basically receive some computer hardware and smartphones, you know, worth in the thousands of dollars. And she basically asked this individual here in Utah to take that those products and mail them to another location here in the United States, which eventually was pushed overseas. So the, those reshipping frauds kind of start off, you know, romantic engagement relationship where someone, you know, is talking to somebody who they think they care about. And when that trust is built, that's when the cyber actors move in and say, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you get this money moved? Uh, can you send money over here? Uh, this, this scam actually got to the point where the alleged female U.S. soldier uh, had uh, – her commanding officer get involved. And again, this is all a fraud. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, if you think about, you know, active duty military overseas, they're working hard, they're working on their fences, they're not going to have time to talk to somebody in the United States on reshipping products. Right. So again, it doesn't pass the sniff test. Uh, but again, some people, uh, I call it, or we call it self-deception, where they're going to talk themselves into it being legitimate when it's not really legitimate. Mm. I had a client, tell me if you hear a lot of this, um, I had a client that was kind of got um, catfished um, where someone was pretending to be someone online. They started texting them inappropriately. Uh, They then got in some really inappropriate, overly sexual content on on texting back and forth. And then those people called them and said, look, hey, we know you got a wife four kids or whatever, five kids, six kids, and you're doing all this stuff, and if you don't pay us money, we're going to show her what you've been doing. And then yeah, they, I mean, that, and it, and I've heard that two or three times of people yeah, like, in, what, what do we call that? So that's called sextortion? Sextortion. Right. So, I mean, so there's extortion yeah. of that as well, but they utilize that sexual element involved. We've got people in a vulnerable situation, and they're going to claim to say, if you don't pay us $500, you know, we'll post these texts online. If there's maybe some risky photographs that's been shared back and forth, they'll also say, you know, we have access to your Facebook account and all your contacts. We'll put that online as well. Mm. Or send, we have also access to your email account, so everybody in your contact list will send that information out. So, again, they use that scare tactic, 
you know, the, the, the sexual element to extort money out of somebody to basically say, we'll keep quiet. But, you know, even if you pay these individuals that money, uh, they're going to keep on coming back for more. Yeah, it doesn't go that. away. Right, right. So, again, that's just, you know, with any type of transaction, you want to make sure the person that you're talking to is trustworthy, that you know them, you know, meet, meet face-to-face if you can. Cause a lot of these folks are hiding behind a keyboard in a, con- in a different continent, right? Mm. Uh, so that makes it very challenging there. How do you vet that? Oh, that's crazy. We're speaking with um, Supervisory Special Agent James La Madrid of the FBI. He's walking us through all of the holiday scams we need to watch out for. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. Welcome back. I'm Leanna Tan. This is the Matt Townsend Show. It's Cyber Monday, the day where everything is on sale. And so as you are clicking through those pages of sale merchandise, we want to inform you of some holiday scandals you should be aware of. We're listening to an interview with Jim LaMadrid, and he's just rattling off advice we should keep in mind this season. He said to be wary of anything that seems too good to be true and of like classified emails and things. He also said many scammers use legitimate websites and they offer you some pretty good deals like working from home over the holidays and you think that you are earning legitimate money and it's such a great thing, but they're actually just using you to launder stolen funds. Yikes, that is on the very intense side of the scale. And there's a lot of different kinds of scams he went through, not just the ones involving shifting stolen goods around, but there are romance scams where people are online pretending to be someone that is interested in you romantically and they build this trust and then they end up scamming you or asking for something from you. And there are scams called sextortion where you get into looking at or sending inappropriate sexual content and then this person blackmails you that they will expose you unless you pay them a lot of money. It sounds like these scams can get pretty intense, but there are also just a lot of common everyday scams we need to be aware of, like people trying to steal your money or your credit card number while you're using and making purchases or using Venmo or Google Pay or Apple Wallet or whatever. So Jim says that we need to be diligent about changing our passwords and using multi-factor authentications and identifications so that only we can get into our personal information. Wow. What a way to ruin the holidays. And I don't want that to happen to you. So let's keep listening to this interview where Jim gives us a few more tips on staying safe and tells us who we should turn to if we run into these problems. When, when we talk about this, it's a lot of us don't know what to do. So if we think we're being scammed, if we think there is a scam, do we contact the FBI? Who do we contact? So there's a great resource that we have. So it's the uh, FBI Internet Crime Complaint Center. So it's www. Dot I, the letter I, the letter C, the number three, dot GOV, so again, IC3.gov. Mm. That provides public service announcements for folks to be aware of what's happening out there in the, you know, in the Internet, on the information highway when it comes to these, these type of scams. So that's the first place you can go to kind of get uh, your cyber IQ up to, up to speed yeah. uh, on learning what's happening. If you are being targeted for a scam, if you are a victim of a scam that you lose money because of an online scam or because of a tech support scam or something that's out there, definitely go to ic3.gov because there is a 
online portal. It's been around since 2000, mm. and people can go online to the website there, Matt, and submit their complaints. That's that great. That we're able to look through, yes. Well, and that probably helps you to figure out what is going on. Absolutely. Uh, on the website, too, there's a 2015 Internet Crime Report that people can look at as well to see what type of crimes out there. But it does give the FBI uh, the optic and visibility into what we're seeing. Now, again, not everybody is aware of that. Not everybody who are victims of fraud submit their complaints online. Right. Number one, they might be embarrassed of it. Number two, they don't know where to go. Um, so this is great that you're letting us put this on air that we can promote IC3.gov. Yeah, we got to fix that. I, I, you know what? I've been doing this for 10 years now. Uh, the radio, and I have, I've never heard of IC3.gov. What is my deal? www.ic3.gov, and um, that you called it cyber IQ, get their IQ up. Exactly. Get your cybersecurity IQ up to understand what scams are out there, what you need to be you know, looking out for, especially now where we're so plugged into our smartphones. I mean, you can do shopping basically, you know, um, just sitting down in your living room on your couch. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, leave your home anymore to do any type of shopping, and they mail it right to your front porch, right? So, by the way, I guess there's another scam, right? Sure. Uh, people mm-hmm. taking stuff off your front porch. Anything we should do about that? Anything we can do to pay better attention to that? Yeah, one other option for that, Matt, is to have the item shipped to your workplace, because typically, you know, people have day jobs mm. or at their, you know, Monday through Friday, you can have it shipped to your workplace. Or if you have a neighbor that stays at home, coordinate with him or her to pull the product off your porch before you get home. Those are a couple of ways to, to handle that as well. Um, and they'll even, I mean, nowadays you can get contacted. You can be told when it's being delivered. Absolutely, yes. Yes, some of those uh, e-commerce companies do notify you that to try and coordinate when you're at home to get that night. Or you leave it at the post office where you can pick it up. You know, uh, with one of the you know UPS or FedEx type yeah. delivery systems. What do you think about all these new methods of paying electronically? Apple Pay, Google Wallet, um, and you know a lot of people are using Venmo, other methods of paying like that. Are there any things we need to watch out for when we're using our device as our our paying tool? The only thing to really look out for, I mean, it's definitely another way to, to make it convenient. Uh, it took me a while myself to go online banking. But now I don't know how I survive without yeah. online banking. So it's kind of one of those new technologies that's breaking into the market to utilize for convenience again. So, you know, with Apple Pay and those various type of online payments, uh, you know, that's where the users and the consumers have to look at their credit card payment statements regularly. Um, you know, not wait every month, every other month to look at that to make sure nothing's happening, nothing's wrong. I mean, even, even with a credit card fraud prior to these, you know, sophisticated and, and, and uh, cutting-edge payment systems, even at point of sales, you know, retail stores, those could be utilized for, you know, credit card skimming, mm, right? Yeah. So even with these new technologies, it may be more difficult, it might be more secure, but we found out in law enforcement, unfortunately, uh, cyber criminals always find a way to try and exploit the payment system and, and steal our money. So again, the best way to do that is to ensure, number one, you're going to a reputable, you know, retailer or buyer. Uh, ensure that uh, you check your credit card and your account history regularly. And if anything's on there, dispute it with your financial institution immediately to try and not get charged and mm. lose money out on that. That's that's what you have to do for those. The um, one of the things I heard, and I can't remember if it was in the article that that you were um, featured in, was the idea that pay especially close attention to your credit card statements in the next. Not not even right now because they may not ping, they may not ding your card right now. They may wait till after the holidays to then start soaking you. Right, exactly, because when you, again, you might make a purchase with a new online retailer that you haven't used in the past, say that particular retailer online, you know, their servers or whatever's housing your credit card information may have been breached, 
and the bad guys are able to take that information, you know, your 16-digit credit card number, your expiration date, the CCV number in the back, and then monetize that weeks down the road, right? Because mm. they won't get access to that immediately when the transaction takes place, but they might be able to get that after the fact. Another thing, too, we call a you know, low-tech type hack is dumpster diving, where people don't shred their statements. Right. They just throw it in the trash, and you've got the bad guys just looking through your trash. Again, we call that dumpster diving. That's a way that people, uh, these criminals can access your information and then conduct identity theft on your account and your, your uh, financial record. Yeah. I mean, and they'll do anything they can. And... Um, uh, to talk about social media, something was mentioned in the article about how people are now using pictures that you're posting on social media to garner more information, including even your barcodes on your tickets. Oh, right. Yeah. So that was a feature there where it's happened in the past where you might have you know tickets to the symphony or maybe you know the Nutcracker or something like that, and you, you take a picture of your... Uh, tickets online, and the bad guys can actually utilize the numbers on the barcode to recreate that actual ticket, and then your ticket, if you don't utilize it within time before the bad guy utilizes that ticket, uh, your ticket is basically just a piece of paper at that point. So if you do take photographs of some, you know, tickets that you have for whatever shows or any events, make sure you cover up that barcode. Man. Protect that. You wouldn't think that a barcode would be such a thing. What, what other social media mistakes do you see us making? So again, like uh, on social media, where you've got, you know, Facebook is, a, is a, one of the main ones you see. There might be some ads on there where people are uh, looking to purchase some items. They may click on an ad that's on the social media website. They may download some malware onto your computer. Uh, that's where it's incumbent upon the user to make sure their antivirus software is up to date, their anti-malware is up to date as well, and re- regarding their operating system, whether it be Microsoft Windows or Apple or Linux, that they keep that patched and updated as well to make it, again, a, a hardened tar- type target where the bad guys won't be able to access your information or steal your credentials. So it's just being kind of, you know, smart about what you click on before you go to, down that road. Yeah. Is... um. Well, I'm sure just in your ex- professional experience, you've seen so much uh, go down in your many years. What what would you? What are some of the craziest scams you've seen? Uh, let's see. The, the work-from-home scams I mentioned earlier, uh, as far as people receiving product and tens of thousand dollars shipped right to their, mm. their driveway, they have no idea what it is. I mean, like generators uh, down to machine parts. Then you've got to get rid of it anyway. You can't have a generator in your driveway. <laughs> exactly. You've got to so, move it. And, and people are just un, unwise of, of what's happening. They think it's a legitimate part of their job that they're a reshipper, but actually it's stolen product again because the product is stolen from the manufacturer, mm. and the money that's used to purchase that product is stolen from an individual or a business out there because their credit card information was you know stolen or compromised. So those are the type of the crazy schemes that we're seeing here, you know, in in Utah and throughout the nation. Unfortunately, mm. um, that is crazy, so, and especially a guy that needs yeah. a job. Right. Exactly. Of course. I mean, they're they're really. Um, targeting folks that, you know, who are looking for extra money or can't get a job, you know, because of the economy or, or what have you. And these people are, again, duped into thinking that their job is legitimate, where they – I've heard stories where companies, these fake companies, right, are doing interviews, which takes days. They're talking to multiple people, you know, like your first interview, mm-hmm. the first cut, they go into the hiring manager, and they have, again, these websites that they log into, they have an account, and it looks legitimate up and up. I've seen it myself doing you know, some of these interviews myself personally here in Utah where it looks very sophisticated. So, they, so these bad guys uh, really put a lot of time and effort, and they actually have, you know, programs and groups and people with special schools and, uh, skills and roles to do these type of scams. It's not just a one, you know, one person in a basement somewhere over in Nigeria. They've got uh, 
criminal element, sophisticated group working together. Is is I guess the, the, this is we live in a different day and age. We we probably need to realize that and and really get our IQ up because this isn't going to go away, is it? No, no, it's not. And, and uh, we're seeing it go a lot more online now because of it being unfortunately. Uh, an easier we call it attack vector going online because everyone is so plugged into the information mm. highway. One thing that people can do, Matt, during the holidays to make sure when they're shopping online that they go to a secure website so you can basically fu- figure that out where you have in the browser you type in HTTPS and this is for secure. It's basically would encrypt the information coming from the buyer's computer out to the vendor computer or the server. So again, HTTPS displays a secure connection. Um, also, usually on the browser, you'll see a little uh, icon of a lock, and that also kind of indicate that is a secure connection. So, a lot of companies are moving away from the HTTP, mm. you know, kind of open, plain text, not really secure method to the HTTPS. People realize now, especially it's the due diligence of the businesses to make sure that the transactions are kept safe. Uh, otherwise, you know, they're facing a lawsuit of some sort, right, because of uh, a breached information. And so you should be able to, when you enter in the URL, it'll automatically pull up. So if I enter in www.target.com, and it's the real Target website, they, they'll let me, I can go look at it, but the minute I'm going to their behind-the-wall transaction to actually close the deal on Target, then they'll move me, like, to an HTTPS site, Right. Correct. Yeah, because when we do the it's financial transactions, yeah, exactly. And 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 the the people that have kind of spearheaded that was the financial institutions, right? Because they live with you know online wire transfers, and commerce businesses have seen that to do that as well to secure their consumers' data and information. So, yeah, you're right. When it comes to the you know going to your cart at the end of your purchase when you find all the things that you want, yeah, it should be a secure connection. And if you don't see that secure connection. I'd move on to a different website. Yeah, because right? then, then it could be a mirrored site or it could be a million other things. It's, so it should yeah. say like HTTPS. It sh- mine went into green color and it was green color and then it also had the lock on there. I guess that's a great way to know what's legitimate. Exactly. And also, again, when you – yeah, so that's what HTTPS. But also if you go to your bank account, sometimes you may get – they call them email phishing where they may think you have a uh, bank account with a particular bank. They may send you a link, and you click on that link, but it looks like an exact login mm-hmm. to your bank account, uh, but it's not. It's actually uh, a mirrored account, like you mentioned earlier, and you're going to put in your account because you may be asked to change your password, but all they're really doing is stealing your credentials, right? Yeah. Um, so now they have access to your, your account. And sometimes, like I mentioned earlier as well, with these email phishing accounts, you may download software or malware, we call it, which is a, a keystroke logger. So if you can imagine somebody basically capturing everything you type into your computer and imagine during the holiday season when you're logging into, you know, say Amazon or your bank accounts or your email addresses during a 72-hour time period, they capture everything that you've typed into your computer and then they can access anything that you have access to. Uh, so uh, logger solver is very, yeah. Do we need to worry about, I, I hear every once in a while about um, the cameras, uh, scams around the cameras where they can turn your camera on your computer? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, tech support scams. That's another one. Uh, I, I know KSL did an article about that about a year ago where there was a mother at home uh, online with her children, and then a little window pops up saying, your computer's been infected uh, with a virus. Call this number. So the mother was sitting there with her infant. She calls the uh, 800 number. It's somebody overseas. Uh, the individual basically asks, okay, I can help you out with your, your, your computer problem, but you need to give me remote access, right? So uh. the individual had access to the, to the lady's laptop, 
and then turned on the camera. And, and alive. She saw her and her child, and as soon as she saw that, she unplugged her computer and basically called law enforcement at that point. But that's, that's a tech support scam. It's very prevalent. It happens a lot now uh, where they try to identify what type of operate, operating system you have, whether it be Microsoft or, again, you know, Apple or Mac, and then try to get money from you to say we're a cybersecurity company, we'll help you with your virus, but all they are, again, is trying to steal money from you via the credit card payments, which is fraudulent because uh, there is no virus on your computer, or they just somehow spam you. Uh, and, and, and then try to social engineer you, which is basically trying to dupe you into giving you inf- information to find out what type of operating system that you have. Uh, and these guys and gals are skilled in IT or cyber jargon, so they may say certain things that the average person is not aware of, so they're kind of scared, and they're kind of, you know, scared into acting, into providing that information online. So tech support scam something that we've seen here. Mm. Um, happens all the time. Boy, it doesn't end, does it? Hey, as we wrap up, we're, again, we're speaking with uh, Agent Jim LaMadrid. What would you say, Agent, uh, if there's one thing, just one thing we could all do that would dramatically improve our likelihood of, of not being scammed, what's, what's the one thing that makes the biggest difference? Again, just knowing what kind of, type of scams are out there. So the various websites where we have that, FBI.gov, uh, provide information on what type of online scams that are out there so you're not duped into falling into that victim. So learn by other people's mistakes, essentially, yeah. is what to, how to, you can be secure for the holiday season. And then IC3.gov, go to that website as well to get the public service announcements. And they have information for you know individual shoppers, also for businesses out there as well. Um, so a lot of resources online. The Federal Trade Commission also provides information out there for consumer protection. Uh, and it's a way to get smart, again, yeah. cyber savvy in, that, in those areas. There, yeah. Man. Pick up your game. Get cyber savvy. Thank you so much. Special uh, Supervisory Special Agent James La Madrid of the FBI. Boy, thank you for being out there protecting us as well. You're doing great work, and um, it's not easy, I don't think, to be a member of the FBI or the police today. It's a lot of bad talk, but they're out there putting their lives at risk for you, folks. So appreciate uh, Agent La Madrid. We will take a break. Come back. Give you some more fun, some more tools, information to help live longer, love stronger, and lead healthier, happier lives. We'll be right back. I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. I love shopping just as much as the next person, and today can be a really fun day if you're participating in Cyber Monday. But amidst all of these great deals, we need to keep our heads on straight and remember that there are some dangers online, and it's getting easier and easier for others to get into our personal information. And one thing Jim advised us to do in this last segment is to regular check our bank statements and credit card statements to see if there's anything fishy going on or any unknown purchases happening. And this actually happened to my husband and I recently. Luckily, he's almost obsessed with checking and updating our finances, and he checks all the time. But one day he noticed that there was a purchase from a random store out of state for a few hundred dollars that neither of us made and another one from a restaurant neither of us ever went to. And so we were able to immediately call our financial institution and get it taken care of. This stuff really can happen to any of us. We are all vulnerable. So we need to take precaution. 
Jim also said things like try to ship your packages to your work instead of your house or coordinate with a neighbor if you're not going to be home when those come because there are a lot of people who get their packages stolen right off their front porches. And I thought it was so crazy when he talked about how people even steal other people's concert tickets or event tickets just from the pictures they post. If they can see the barcode in the picture, you know, the bad guys can write down that barcode and somehow create their own ticket and then your ticket is just a piece of paper. It seems like people go to great lengths for this stuff. Um, But on the other hand, it's really easy for them with all this technology. The more advanced technology gets, the more advanced crime can get too, and the easier it is for criminals. And so this next guest says that it may not even be possible anymore to completely protect yourself from these breaches. Maybe there is no such thing as cybersecurity anymore. Maybe now it's just about being aware, about knowing how to catch these guys and fix the problems. So let's jump into this next interview with Neil Weiler all about the ins and outs of cybersecurity. What what is the deal? Do we have any real security in on the internet? Uh, I guess the short answer would be no. <laughs> <laughs> it's an open game, huh? It's not uh I know it's not what people want to hear. Um but you know, with uh, to your point, you know, you could probably spend uh, the entire hour just just listing off the names of the companies yeah. and institutions that have been breached over the last year to two years. Um, really, really high-profile companies um, with tens of millions of users affected. Who's who's doing all the hacking? I mean, we always hear like with the Office of Personnel Management. We hear it. It's probably China, but apparently President Obama doesn't want to point them out because he's trying to close the deal with Iran. And is who's hacking? Um, well, I mean, it can be any number of types of hackers. I mean, uh, you know, with the as you mentioned, with the Office of Personnel Management, um, you know, the attribution there uh, is being thrown towards China. Uh, with the high-profile Sony hack, you know that attribution went to North Korea, mm. and then you just have standard criminals. Um, you have a type of hacker they call themselves hacktivists. You know, yeah. folks who have a political motivation or are trying to send a message, um, and then you just have you know your standard um, trolls. You know, people who are doing it for um, for fun, yeah, or just to make uh, to cause chaos. And yeah, and just to, yeah, to create havoc and the fun of bringing down a company, shutting down a server, maybe. Exactly. Um, is it so? So, kind of give us the the overview. And I'm just, it's probably done so many different ways. But how does a hacker, for example, from China, make it into our systems? What I'm assuming it's not one guy named you know Jimmy sitting in his underwear in his apartment. It's probably a company, right? It's an entity. It's probably got multiple hackers working on a very specific weakness. Well, in the case of something like the um, the OPM breach, like where you know the the attribution is is looking like China, um, that would be a very well funded organization. Um, you know, it's a, a nation state backed type of situation where you're talking about upwards of 1,000 to 2,000 staff sitting in a building somewhere, um, specifically targeting the United States and saying, okay, here's what we're going after. 
Um, so they're very well funded. They've got plenty of time, um, and they've got um, you know uh, the freedom to do the hack as they see fit without any fear of being prosecuted by the government. Oh, that's true, huh? They can. They're just. They can kind of do whatever they want. Yeah, there's there's no fear of extradition there. So interesting. And then um, I guess they they just they just find a weakness, and then because it's I'm assuming everybody's got codes, everyone's got passwords, we've got firewalls, supposedly all this stuff. Um, and then is it just a matter of time? If you get a bunch of really smart people that know what they're doing, and they have unlimited time and resources, I guess it's just inevitable. It is. Unfortunately, it's inevitable. Um, and I think that's the thing that people need to kind of understand is that, you know, that there there's no silver bullet here. There's no silver bullet to security. Um, security is a process. It's not a product. You can't just go out and buy something and, you know, off the shelf, put it in your organization or on your computer at home mm. and then just go, OK, well, I'm secure. Yeah. I, I should be fine now. I'm done. Um, you know, hackers, you know, can go bother somebody else. Um, it doesn't work like that. If you're, if you're being targeted by an organization or even an individual who, who just has time and persistence, then, then they're going to get in eventually. Mm. So you've actually seen that shift in the security industry in the last, you know, 10 years where you used to go to these, um, large conferences like information security conferences and there would be uh vendors who were saying like you know you will stop you from getting hacked we can keep you from getting right. hacked. come look at our system it's unhackable we'll give ten thousand dollars to anybody who can hack it and those type of things where today now you go to those same uh conferences and you see vendors and they're saying hey um we'll help you detect when you've been breached and how badly you have been breached and we'll do it faster and better than, Man. than the guy next to us. So it's no longer you won't – we'll make sure you don't yeah. get hacked. It's when you do get hacked, we'll be the first ones to let you know. Well, won't it just someday be, hey, once you've been hacked and destroyed, we'll just help you repair all of your credit and pay back everybody that's been harmed? Well, there, you know, these um, credit monitoring services and uh, identity theft services are certainly doing well by all of these breaches. That seems to be the common thread at the end of these things, like even uh, the OPM breach, which is we're talking about 21.5 million oh. affected individuals, Social Security numbers, where they live. Medical they information, school, yeah. Everything is out there, all their health information. Oh. Their criminal and financial histories are out there, and the response to that is, well, hold on. We don't know how bad your personal information has been um, you know, affected, but while you wait, while we figure out what contractor will determine that, we will give you three years of credit monitoring. And it's mm. like, great, thanks. thanks. <laughs> thank, you very, thank you very much. Well, and then you've got that whole Ashley Madison fiasco um, where the company Ashley Madison's the the company that lines people up to have affairs. Hey, if you want an affair, come here. We'll we'll hook you up. And then they were breached, but they they people were paying I think twenty dollars to Ashley Madison, and Ashley Madison said they would remove them from all of their records, and and that was a service that as a company they were making a lot of money on. Until apparently these hacktivists went in and are now basically saying if you don't turn off your entire site, we're going to expose all this data. 
which is kind of an interesting way to approach privacy where you're like, we don't like that you don't actually delete all of these records. Yeah. But because we don't like that, we will release everybody's <laughs> records if you don't shut down. So, yeah. So um, that, yeah. by definition, is a hacktivist, right? That's somebody trying to – they're not trying to make money on these people. They're just trying to make a point. They're trying to make a point. They're out to embarrass the company mm-hmm. or, in this case, you know, shut them down. Yeah. Um, and, and 38 right, million it people. Is a, it is millions, tens of millions of people, and they're talking about – posting their most private information um, and, you know, their credit card transactions with their real names and addresses tied to, you know, uh, conversations and uh, sexual fantasies and things Mm. like that, that, you know, everybody that was using this site, it clearly, and whether you're, you know, for or against what the company was doing, you know, this is private information that's going to be uh, leaked out there uh, well, for and, all the world to see. And this is it. We'll take a break and come back. But th- this is the idea, right? If at some point we're going to have to decide if we want to be a part of any of these things and give our our information. Or, I mean, maybe eventually it's going to have to come down to are you going to be an online person or not? Because exactly. if you're online, then just get used to losing privacy to some degree or another. Again, we're talking with Neil Weiler who is a a security and analytics specialist with EMC Corporation. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue to pick Neil's brain. Cybersecurity, folks, stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We're talking about cybersecurity today to help protect you from those holiday scams that might be coming your way this Cyber Monday. We're listening to an interview with Neil Weiler, and in the last segment, he talked about who is hacking us and how people hack us. He said that it's not necessarily even about prevention anymore. Maybe this idea of cybersecurity doesn't even exist. These people who are branding themselves as, you know, these products or people who can protect you from security breaches are now moving to brand themselves as people who can help you see when and how you're being hacked because it's almost like it's inevitable. Kind of a scary thought. So let's finish off this episode with the last bit of this interview where Neil tells us what we should be doing on the Internet then. So in the end... If we're not necessarily going to be safe and secure online, what should we be learning and what should we be doing? Well, I think, um, you know, you mentioned privacy and how do we have, like, individuals guard their privacy online. And I think part of it is to just um, stop posting all of your personal information online, (laughs) Um, stop putting your birthday everywhere and creating handy little charts on your Facebook profile that show how you're connected to everyone that you come in contact with. I know my, my own family gets annoyed that I won't accept their you know request to connect on their shiny new Facebook app that tells who all their brothers, sisters, cousins, nephews is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Sorry, I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Um, do they, do they just think you're antisocial, don't they, Neil? Uh, something like that. <laughs> I'm just uh, hyper paranoid. The thing is, is it's that's a lot of information to give away. I mean, you're basically putting together an identity theft um, 
you know, kit yeah, for playbook and, and handing it over. And even if that individual decides to make their profile private, um, at the end of the day, if I want access to your Facebook page and I want to be your friend and you won't allow me to be, I'll just create an account that has, you know, an, a, a picture of an attractive member of the opposite sex. And the odds are that you're going to accept that friend request and then I will have access to your birthday mm. and everybody you're connected to in your family. And I'll use that information to, you know, gain access to whatever it is that I'm trying to, to access in the end. So, I mean, really, in the, what it comes down to is education. Yeah. You know, like, not just education for the guys who are writing the code to write more secure code or the executives at these companies who are, you know, in control of policies and budgets and things like that, but, but for end users as well. The, you know, information technology is one of those fields that people just, for some reason, love to brag about their ignorance. They say, oh, I don't know about these computers, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and for some reason that's an acceptable response when in the end it's actually unacceptable to respond that way. Right. You know, it, it means that you're making a lack of investment in yourself and, and the safety of, you know, yourself and your family um, or the company that you work for. It's like security is everybody's responsibility. Yeah, that's it. It seems like in a way, Neil, that like, you know, when your IT department says, you know, we don't want any of your personal devices to be used in our network on our. I mean, you're like, oh, come on, you old fuddy dud. We right. we don't get what they're doing. But there's kind of a method to all of the madness and and almost the over controlling that our companies want. Um it seems like in our in our homes it's different because we're more worried about we don't want pornography to get in, but we're not even thinking about if somebody's necessarily getting our bank account. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and it and it sounds like it's um, you know you're just trying to scare people and things like that. But it's like if you're not using your webcam, then turn it around so it's not facing you. And uh. like on on laptops, it's like you know they're. You, put a, a sticker over the you know the webcam on your laptop and things like that it's like if you do end up in a situation where you are you know personally uh, breached then you don't want somebody looking at you like sitting in your living room in your underwear while you watch you know <laughs> you watch. So. yeah yeah you're watching parks and recreation <laughs> it's Exactly. It, it's funny too, but I guess our naivete would just say, "Oh, Neil, nobody wants to look at little old me." Yeah, and that's the that's the attitude that um, you know that these folks are are hoping mm. you're going to have. So, I mean, I, again, education's a big thing. Like, you know, what can you do? Just have a plan. You know, it's like just like anything in life, you should have a disaster plan ready to go. You know, if there's like if there's a fire in your house. What's the plan? And yeah. your whole family knows the plan. And what are you going to do? If there's an intruder in your home, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Well, you should have a we've been hacked plan. Mm -hmm. You know, like what before you're ever in that situation, you have to decide what's my most critical data. Like, and if you're a company, what would keep us from being able to continue to do business? Yeah. And then, oh, that's if huge, you, huh? If you do end up breached, what happened? What did they take? What's the damage? And how do we go back to some kind of sense of normal? You know, and mm. and I think you know that's a big thing. Is just uh, fo 
folks just think, oh, it's not going to happen to me, to your point. Little old me, nobody's interested. And someone may not be interested in you personally, but they, the information they can gather or just even using your, um, your machine in your home as a, as a point to pivot off of for additional attacks, you know, they'll use your house to jump through, um, Oh. to start the next hack. Well, so, it, it used to be, Neil, in business, your goal was to get as much information about your customer as you possibly could. It was to your advantage to know everything you could. But now um, it may not be smart to have a lot of information that you're not using um, in your system and your servers because you just put your people more at, to be vulnerable. Exactly. And you, if the information is there... You should encrypt it. It's not and, and encryption. Sounds like it's some kind of you know black magic. Yeah, that's a spy you, thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like this. Uh, if if you're having a hard time understanding computers, then you couldn't possibly wrap your head around encryption. But it's just not true. The you know it's a lot easier to um, use encryption today than it than it used to be. And there's a you know a saying that we use in the in the infosec world, which is. Um, dance like nobody's watching, encrypt like everyone is. Um, and so that's um, that's a fact is, you know, just treat all of your personal information like somebody's watching. Yeah. What do you want people to see and what don't you want them to see? And if there's something you don't want them to see, then just encrypt it. So um, true. A, a big thing, too, is is just email security. Like if you people think, oh, well, that's weird. Nobody's going to be interested in my Gmail account. Well, your Gmail account is a doorway into every other account that you have. Because if you forget your password, what do you click on? Oh, it's true. My password. Yeah. And then you type in an email address. Yeah, and then they'll send you the... They'll send you a convenient link. And and every one of those, we probably... I I never thought... We have a huge file full of every one of my passwords to every company I've ever forgotten. Well, there you go. You just... Uh, I just blew if I it. have access to your email address, now I have access to all of your accounts because all I have to do is click I forgot my password and I get a link to click on that says, yes, go ahead and reset it. Um, so that email password is really, really important. And at least companies like Google, Google offers um, free two-factor authentication. You put an app on your phone and so you type your password and then it gives you a little you know, number for you to type in as well. And you have to have the ability to know what that number is as well as the password to access your email account. And it's not hard, and it takes, you know, two seconds longer to do it. And it adds a great layer of security, but people just don't use it because, one, either they don't know about it or they just think, oh, well, why should I do that? It's Mm -hmm. not really, you know, nobody cares about my stuff. What about, um, it seems like, I guess our enemy is just the simplicity we all want it to have an experience. I guess I should have a fairly strong uh, or a very strong password, and I'm assuming I should be changing it regularly? For sure. Yeah. Or you should, you know, people say, okay, well, I don't I don't want to use uh, complex passwords. It, You know, I'll never remember them, you know, and there are plenty of applications today that will generate random passwords for you and then allow you to keep track of them mm-hmm. using, you know, that software and, you know, you can do that or just something simple that people, you know, they always, it ends up being like the name of your dog and then, you know, yeah. or 
the street you live on or something like that. It's just use a past phrase or take a a phrase that you know um, that you're going to remember. So your favorite passage from a book, the first sentence of a yeah. of a book that you like, and take the first character off of each one of those words and put it in as your password. Now it's completely random, you know, from a character standpoint. But to you, you know exactly what the key is. And to others, they don't. And so if you can have complex passwords with easy ways to remember them, it's just about a little bit of effort. (laughs) It really is, isn't it? I like what Neil said there. Dance like nobody is watching, encrypt like everyone is. The sad truth is that we just can't trust people on the internet. You just don't know what's out there and hacking happens time and time again. It's just so easy these days and scams really are everywhere. I remember when the internet was, you know, first kind of coming out. No one had laptops yet or anything. And my sister was using the computer in the library and she was still pretty young, maybe like a preteen or so. And there was a message that popped up on her screen that said something like, You've just won $1,000. She got so excited and nervous and she had no idea what to do. So she used the library phone and called my mom and said, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm just so glad that my mom was there so she didn't fall into that trap. And I mean, we laugh now, but can you imagine? It's your first time seeing one of those things pop up on your screen. So of course you don't know If it's true or not, you're skeptical, but then again, you're like, but if this is real, I don't want to miss out. And now we've seen those things on a daily basis, so we just know they're scams. But there's always going to be something new like that. There's always going to be something that you haven't seen before that you're wondering if it's really true or not. And we're always vulnerable of falling into this trap. So what will be your family's plan against these dangers? I liked how at the end there, Neil said that we need to come up with a we've been hacked plan in our families. Just as you would a fire escape plan or an earthquake plan, cyber hacks are probably more likely to happen than a fire or an earthquake in your home. So enjoy this Cyber Monday, but be careful out there, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'm Leanna Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend.